Today on the John Akerberg Show, we're going to take you to Papua New Guinea, an island country of 10,142,000 people. This island that lies in the southwestern Pacific has neighbors including Indonesia to the west, Australia to the south, and the Solomon Islands to the southeast. Papua New Guinea can be a very dangerous place to visit. Many of the tribal groups are violent, and the warfare between tribes and clans is continual. Further, over 839 different languages are spoken in this nation. So how can Christians obey Jesus' command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? Over 400 of the people groups on this one island still do not have God's word in their own language. My guest today is Morgan Jackson, director of Faith Comes By Hearing, who will tell us how recently one of his recording team's families had to flee from their homes and live in the jungle to escape tribal violence. Join us for this edition of The John Ankerberg Show. Welcome to our program. Today we're going to take you to Papua New Guinea and the Pacific Islands. I'm John Ankerberg and my guest is Morgan Jackson, the director of Faith Comes By Hearing, who's working with over a million national churches overseas. And in going to Papua New Guinea, you've got 10,142,619 people that live there. And this is a rough area for many reasons, which we're going to talk about today. And there are over 839 different languages that are in Papua New Guinea. And we're talking today about how you bring the gospel. Jesus told us as Christians, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go and make disciples of all the nations. When we get to heaven, I think he's going to ask us, how did you do in terms of bringing the gospel to the rest of the world? I came and gave my life and died on the cross so that their sins could be forgiven. And I told you to go and get this message out. This is the message that God wants preached to the entire world. All right. And you are doing it in the languages of the people and you're using a very special device that we're going to talk about. But let's start off with the first time that you went to Papua New Guinea. What was your impression? Well, I'd been invited to Papua New Guinea by Wycliffe. Um, they had informed me that there was like 850 languages on this one island or island change. Papua New Guinea is a whole series of islands. And, and the idea of 850, one tenth of all the language of the world in that one area. And, and you know, they talked about cannibalism and the violence that had pre-existed and the violence that still was there. I remember arriving and, and you have MAF and JARS that provide the planes get in this little plane and you're flying over the jungles and you're seeing these steep valleys and you see a little community up on the top of something and you go, how in the world does anybody get there? And they're basically saying you don't. It, it takes you 10 days. You have to fly in here. You have to take a boat up this river. You have to hike up over this valley and you have to make sure nobody kills you on the way. Yeah. So I remember going to where Wycliffe had a major compound and center, and so they were showing me, and, and they actually had a guide that gives you a tour, because it's like a little city. And they, they were translating scripture in almost 400 languages at that time they were working on. And about 250 of them are now done. And so I remember the tour guide taking me around, and I saw this big warehouse, and I said, 
what's that? Now, he didn't really know who I was. And he said, oh, that's the Bible mortuary. And I was like, excuse me? The Bible mortuary? He goes, yeah. He said, you know, when we're done with the translation, he said, most of the people are illiterate, so we'll print the Bible, and maybe 20, 30 people, maybe five people might know how to read it. But we'll print, you have to print 2,000 plus. And he said, then we'll have a ceremony, everybody will come, and then we'll sell 100 Bibles, and then all the rest of the Bibles go over in that warehouse, and that's where they go to die. So we call it the Bible mortuary. And I just went, oh. And so, of course, I immediately recognized why Wycliffe had called us there. I love Wycliffe. People spend 30, 40 years of their life translating the Word of God for a people group. And God has brought us. Sometimes I, I feel frustrated that we as a ministry delayed it, and maybe we, we came in later. But now we've recorded almost all the languages of Wycliffe. Yeah, done. let's explain to the people what you mean. The fact is we've got these wonderful missionaries that are our heroes oh, yeah. Yeah. that have spent 38, 40 years, their entire life, going to a place where nobody knew the language, so they started translating, and it took them 30, 40 years to do it. They lose so they, children, they have health, true. many of them yeah. die in the process. Right. I've been there, done that, and uh, yeah. I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking to hear their stories of how long they lasted to translate this language. All right, but what happens is they get it into a printed form, uh, the language that's printed form, put it into a book, and they start handing it out to the people, only to their horde to discover that the people that they're giving the book to can't read their own language. They tell me sometimes that it comes back and they've got no pages. And they ask the people, where are the pages? And they say, well, Pastor, you told us man cannot live by bread alone. We can't read, so we just tear a page out of the Bible every day. We tear it up, we put it in the soup, and we eat it. In Nigeria, they buy four Bibles when they build a house, and they put it under the cornerstones, or they put it in the cement. Because if you build your house on the Word of God, it won't fall. They sleep on it to ward away evil spirits. They hang it from the rafters. So what happened is, when Wycliffe started talking to us, they said, can you do drama recordings of this? Well, I also want to say this. When the missionaries that spent a lifetime translating it, and they put it into printed oh. form, found out that 90% of the people or more were illiterate and couldn't read their own language, and all of their work seemed to go down the drain at that point. They got depressed. Now, this is where your ministry has come in and given them joy, because you've taken that language, and if you can get there quick enough that there are still people that can read maybe a little of their own language into a recorder, you can record that language, which is the whole New Testament or the whole Bible, onto a, an audio proclaimer, and you can play it so people can hear it in their own language, and now the missionaries are ready to throw a party because <laughs> this is the first time all of their work has mattered because the people can now hear the Word of God. So keep going. You, you, when you watch people laugh and cry when they hear the Word of God for this they time. They really do. But the missionary, the Wycliffe missionary, are <laughs> some of those that cry and laugh the yeah, most. Absolutely. So when you come into these communities, the Wycliffe missionary are the ones that will help us find the readers. But sometimes we need 25 readers to do a drama recording, 180 voice recording. We'll use the 25 voices. But many times we'll only find five, six people who can read. And so most of our voices have to be non-literates. And so one person will read to them. They're great mimics and they'll just repeat it back. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And 
the, the guy, other guy on the other side of the thatch will say, Jesus, son of David. And then they would just record it line by line. I mean, my mom went to Papua New Guinea for one of the Bible translators to record one of the first languages. There was only four people could read it. When she got there, one of them was dying from sickness. A week into it, a second guy was out hunting yeah. boars so there and were got slashed. Two people were left. And he died. To record <laughs> that language. Six that she, months after it yeah. was done. And so we try to get in there as soon as possible. Now, once we get it recorded, then it goes on this kind of device. And in Papua New Guinea, this is the only thing that works because you don't have electricity in these areas. You don't have any way to transport. And why is it special? Because it drinks the sun. It you recharges the batteries right from the sun. It's made out of the same material you make football helmets. And, and I can tell you in Papua New Guinea, it's got to be tough. Right. The batteries recharge 3,000 times. Ten years from now, the batteries will still be recharging. If you don't see the sun, and sometimes they don't see it for weeks, you just crank it. The kids love to crank it. Ten minutes, it'll recharge, and they'll play it for 40 minutes. Now, in these communities, they're communal. So they do their listening at night because they're working in their fields all day long, hunting and working. And so when they listen, it's at night. And so this comes out. And the thing they love about it is it will say the same thing a thousand times and never get tired. It never has to go on uh, sabbatical. It's always there. It never gets tired. And so they can have the Word of God 24-7. And the whole village will come together and they'll hear the Word of God and they'll talk about it. So in Papua New Guinea, we have a huge work that's having to be done. And so we're doing language by language, and some of them are small, small, small. But I have to tell you, God said every language. When you look in Revelation 7, it says that under the throne were people from every language, every tribe, every nation, every people. And God speaks their language because it's His language. You've got a lot of people right now that are translating different languages into audio. But it is dangerous oh. in Papua New Guinea. Anybody can go to the internet and they can find out you've got all kinds of warnings if you go there. They've got gangs in the big city that'll kill you or rape you or do worse, hold you for ransom. Uh, they say don't go out at night. Don't go to Papua New Guinea unless you have a guard with you. That's where your people are working right now. And the fact is some of them have had to flee into the jungle to get away from people that wanted to kill them and had to wait long enough till these people went away to come back to the very place where they were doing the translation. We have our teams and several times our teams will be in a place doing a recording in a different language group and they'll hear through you know some cell or some walkie-talkie that their family is in the forest areas that somebody has attacked their village because of a vengeance killing and their whole family is in the jungle camping to escape being killed. And of course, they're sitting here five, six, seven days travel away from getting back home, wondering what to do. And the typical message from the family is, don't come back until you finish the work of recording the Word of God for that people. And so worrying about their family, they pray, they'll stay. One of our guys, Michael, was talking about in his community where he lived, he had come to, him and his wife, that somebody that was there and a leader in that business got killed and they felt like it was somebody from this community who killed them. Government sent a warning, said, we think you're going to be attacked. And he said that night, he said, my wife and I just sat all night praying. 
around them. Houses were burned, huts were burned, people were killed. Somewhere around 100 people killed because one person, they, they thought it was from this group, were killed because of that. He said, we were not touched because God protected us. Yeah, let's talk, let's but this talk about, is the way they're living. Let's talk about Michael, one of your guys. When he first went to one of the buildings, the guy that took him to the building where they were going to do the translation work said, oh, by the way, about a week ago, there was a human sacrifice right here where mm -hmm. they took the guy, cut him up, and they drank his blood. Yeah, they had a teacher, that's a school, but in that school they had a, uh, the satanic ceremony, they took a student and a teacher, and they killed him, cut him up, and drank the blood. And, and so these are the things that are going on. And, and to get to the islands, my team was there to do a recording. It took them 12 hours, two days, in an open boat to get to one island because they wanted to see the impact of the hearing of God's Word. Yeah, they were talking about Papua New Guinea and a thousand the, islands, the, yeah, the Papua, Pacific yeah, Islands. All these islands and all these places, and there's no electricity, and that's where the proclaimer was such a value because in the night you didn't need electricity. It charged all day, and they would sit, and they would hear the Word of God and talk about it. Yeah, I love these communities that are communal. When we say they're communal, they work together, they grow stuff together, they build huts together, they build houses together, and then at night they all gather around a campfire and the fact is there they sit and they discuss stories. And so when you bring in a proclaimer that doesn't need electricity and it's already got a charge from the day just being out in the sun, the fact is they sit there and the whole village can go into the story and they sit as quiet as anything, just listening to the story, drinking it in. But Michael is so impacted because of how the Word of God has transformed the communities all around him. So you go from complete darkness and hopelessness and violence and fear day in and day out to where when you're hearing Scripture, many of these people don't sleep at night because they have demonic dreams, they don't sleep well because they're afraid of a vengeance attack. And they've got vengeance things that have been going on for, for centuries. For and centuries. so they're always looking for an opportunity to kill the other tribe over there or being attacked. It's constant. And so when they hear the Word of God and, and learn to forgive, learn to turn the other cheek, learn to... It completely transforms everything. And so that's where when they went to this community and saw this is the impact of what the Word of God does. So John, as you know, for every $500 that a donor gives, it covers the cost of your broadcast, your production, and it allows one proclaimer to go out and start a Faith Comes Bearing program. We have a donor, the doctor and his wife, who are in Asia right now, they've offered a match. And so they're saying anybody that will provide one proclaimer, they'll provide one. Then we have another anonymous donors that says if, if somebody will provide a proclaimer, they'll provide one as well. So any gift today of a proclaimer will actually yield three. And on average, 90 people will listen and be discipled coming to Christ through one proclaimer. So that means you're going to have 270 people, three proclaimers. That'll start usually four listening groups, so about 12 listening groups. And children who have no hope now have hope and are excited. Yeah, at the same time that we see hope and revival breaking out in different parts of the island, you've still got a lot of work to do. Oh. And the downside of that is you've been reading Revelation 
and you realized from God's Word what it's going to take to reach all of these languages and all of these people where your own workers are being hunted and killed and you say, you come to the conclusion. Tell the people the conclusion you've come to reading Revelation 6. Well, you know, my, my brother had uh, somebody come to us and they wanted us to record the Bible. And uh, they were sending it back in with people who came to faith in Christ. But as he was talking, they explained to him that most of the people who went back in die. And that, and my brother was just like, I, we can't do that. And he just, they told him, they're going back in to bring the gospel and die. What they're asking you for is when they die, they want something to leave behind. This is an end times tool. You die, it doesn't. You leave, it still speaks. All they have it to do is still, press the button and the language comes out. If we're resurrected and going to heaven, all of these millions of them around the country are still sitting there playing the Word of God. And so when my brother heard that, he said, okay, so up to that time, 35 people that were taking these audio Bibles in that we know of were killed because of their faith. And so when I was reading Revelation, it says, you know, under the throne, he saw these people, and they were crying out, How long, O sovereign Lord, until you avenge our body? He said, yeah, who they are were all they? martyrs. Who are these? And he said, These are those who have died because of the Word of God. And he gave them white robes, palm branches, and he says, Wait a little while until the number of those who have been killed has been fulfilled. And what we recognize is there's a missional movement right now in the translation world to see Scripture translated into every language by the year 2033. There's a church planting movement that's moving to put a church within reach of every person by 2033, 2,000 years after Christ died. But the last 2,000 languages, when you read about that people, there's not a single believer, not a single person has ever heard. They're in, 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 the in areas, areas where they hate Christians. Not because they've met one, they've never met one. They hate the people that bring the gospel. So we have workers that have gone out in Indonesia and not returned. And when they send word, our guy's gone, national worker, they say, oh, we have a body. We don't know if it's your person. Why don't you come and identify the body? But they don't send anybody because they know that what they're doing is they're just saying, come look at the body and, we'll, and they're going to kill whoever you send. Yeah, we're talking about Papua New Guinea. And the fact is that's the problem we have there. And let me give you an illustration and jump to another place. Let's talk about Ecuador because mm. I got a personal story in this one is that my dad visited five missionaries six months before they were speared to death. And we're talking about uh, Nate Saint, Jim Elliott, and the five guys that were around them at the that time. The Warani people. Yeah. And they had been giving them gifts via the airplanes, and they thought they had a friendship going with them. But when they landed the plane, the Warani came out of the forest and quickly speared all five of them and killed them dead. And my dad had just had a banquet with them six months before this happened. So I was really tuned into this one. And the thing is, is that, you know, Time Magazine and uh, Life Magazine back then when it was rolling did a 10-page spread on the stories of these guys. And later on, the Spear movie was already right. made about their lives. But what was interesting is the fact is that the wives didn't get mad, didn't leave. They stayed in Ecuador and they 
took the women that were coming out of the forest and running away from danger and they befriended them and they learned the language and then those women led them back into the very people that had speared their husbands. And tell the rest of the story. Well, and that's the interesting thing is that because they, they now went in and lived among those, I mean, you talk about dangerous. Oh, yeah. But the kids were able to identify with the other kids because 50% of the Wadani people were killed through murder. It was yeah. the highest murder rate. And the government said, go evangelism because if you don't, they're going to die from killing each other and the tribes around them. But those women then learned the language, translated the scriptures, which we now have recorded. And so there's a whole revival that's happened among that people because of those women. But the men never wound a single person to Christ. And you and I talked about in, in the, the story of PNG and the Pacific Islands, how it started getting evangelized was an Englishman, saw a bunch of missionaries. We're going to tell that story coming up. All right. And so you just go, we have the people, and this is where I'm looking at, I've had friends that have died. I myself, my wife and I have had to sit and look at each other and say, one of these days, I'm not going to come home. We have said we may be among those numbers, but there's a number of people. My brother sat with me and he said, Morgan, we are not going to reach these last 2,000 groups without a lot of blood. And most of it are going to be nationals who are saying, send us. It's not that we're sending them. They're saying, send us. But what they're saying is, please send us with God's Word. How many languages have you gotten of all the languages that still need to be translated? How many do we have? In Papua New Guinea, we have 250 that have been translated. We have less than 50 languages recorded. And then we're actually working on oral to oral Bible translation because there's 400 some languages that will never have a printed translation because nobody can read it anyway. So we're taking the pidgin and languages. So yeah, but for the people that have been work. listening and are burdened for Papua New Guinea and the Pacific Island chain, that it is yeah. so tough to reach these people, how many audio Bibles do those folks need? for the languages that have already been translated to start this thing going. Just for this year, we need 10,000 for the islands, for the, just all of the different yeah. island nations. And for Papua New Guinea, we need 10,000. And you have workers. I mean, sometimes they take three or four days just to get to a single village. Yeah, and folks, next time we talk, we can talk about the people that are bringing it in to these places, people that have made it, people that have been successful, and God has used them to win whole villages but also the people that have died bringing these Bibles in. We need your help. And thank you for joining us today. Stay tuned because I got a personal word for you in just a moment. Stay tuned. John will be right back. Now, thank you very much for joining me today. There's a great need to provide audio Bibles for the 10 million people who live in Papua New Guinea where over 839 different languages are spoken, and 400 of those languages have no Bible at all. Christians are requesting that we send them 10,000 audio Bibles to help them reach their own people. And today we have two very generous donors who desperately want to help us in reaching the people in Papua New Guinea, so much so that they both promise to match every audio Bible that you give today. Here's how it will work. If you give a gift of $500 for just one audio proclaimer today, 
a special donor will match your gift by adding one more audio proclaimer for a total of two proclaimers. And then another special donor will add one more audio proclaimer to your gift, making it a total of three audio proclaimers that you'll be providing. So your gift of $500 for one proclaimer, matched by both our donors, will mean you'll actually be giving a total of three audio proclaimers. Further, if you give a gift of $1,000 for two audio proclaimers, your gift will be matched by both of our donors and you'll be really giving six audio proclaimers. If you give a gift of $2,000 today for four audio proclaimers, your gift will be matched by both of our donors and you'll be giving 12 audio proclaimers. So the number of audio Bibles that you give today will be matched by our two donors. Then if you can give a gift of $30 for only one micro SD card, your gift will be matched by both donors and you can provide three micro SD cards for people who can insert them into any cell phone, even if they are not connected to the internet. It will immediately let them hear the whole New Testament in their own language. If you give a gift of $60, your gift will be matched by both donors and you can provide six micro SD cards. And then third, if you want to provide one micro SD card and one Bible stick for a gift of $100, your gift today will be matched by both donors and you'll provide three micro SD cards and three Bible sticks. Now, Bible sticks are personal digital players that are battery powered and come loaded with an audio Bible and earphones so that people can listen to the Bible privately. Then fourth, for a gift of $1,000, you can provide 14 very important items that we call an audio bundle. An audio bundle includes two large audio proclaimers that can reach two whole villages. And it also includes six micro SD cards and six Bible sticks. So folks, if you want to reach people in Papua New Guinea and God is leading you to provide one, two or three audio Bibles, a micro SD card, a Bible stick or an audio bundle, would you please call us right now at 1-800-805-3030 that's 1-800-805-3030. And you may call that same number any day this week, 24 hours a day. Or you may also give your gift at our website at jashow.org. That's jashow.org. Then if you live in Canada, would you please call us at 1-866-746-5847. That's 1-866-746-5803. Or you may give your gift at our Canadian website at jashow.ca. That's jashow.ca. Then, folks, because our outreach into other countries is growing so fast as a 100% viewer-funded ministry, your non-restricted gift supports the production of a number of ministry programs and purposes, including among them, the broadcasting and expansion of the airing and production of The John Ankerberg Show in the United States and international markets. The John Ankerberg Show, thanks to you, now broadcasts to potentially 4.5 billion viewers in more than 200 countries and territories. God is opening doors and getting his word out and I'm sure that he will appreciate your gift very much.